0: Thank you once again for tuning into a new week on the podcast. We certainly appreciate each and every one of our listeners. Thank you for those of you that subscribe and tune in and listen. And each and every day, we have a podcast during the week, Monday through Friday. This is a daily doctrine devotional. This is our doctrinal podcast to instruct and to teach in the Word of God. And we finish up the meetings in Blaine. We certainly thank the Lord for the good meetings. I don't know what the Lord has for us in store for the next couple of weeks, but I certainly am thankful for the six weeks the Lord's given us in preaching. I believe we've preached over 60 times, if you include this podcast, in the last six weeks. And we certainly thank the Lord for the strength He's given us, the help He's given us. It's hard to imagine not being in the house of God tonight. But maybe the Lord will change that before uh, this airs, before this goes online. It would be a blessing. And I've been in the house of God a whole lot lately. And we certainly thank the Lord. There's no better place in the world to be than in the house of the Lord. And we certainly appreciate the goodness of the Lord. Thank the Lord for the meeting we had at our home church. And it just saw a great impact upon people. Saw young men surrender to preach. I saw folks said they surrendered to the will of God. Folks said that God strengthened them, helped them, delivered them, showed them things. And uh, many, many testimonies of folks that God helped, and how we certainly do thank the Lord for that. We're in Matthew chapter 16 today. And the Pharisees also at the Sadducees came and tempting him, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And it's amazing how they can't get along all the time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, over the resurrection and other such doctrines. But here they come together and they're going to tempt Jesus Christ. And they're desiring that he would show them a sign from heaven. And they do that to tempt him. And yet they don't realize that that's what the motive of their heart, to tempt him, to see whether or not he really is what he said he is. And there are men that still tempt God that way. We are no longer in the days of Gideon. We don't lay out fleeces to see if God will do it. Gideon laid a fleece out to prove God, not to tempt God, and that's the difference of the heart. And he laid a fleece out to see if God would or if God wouldn't. Most people just do it to see if he's really indeed God. That's questioning. That's if thou be the Christ. That's not faith. What's not a faith is sin. So they've come to him in sin. They've come to him tempting him. They've come to him in unbelief. They do not believe the word of God. They do not believe that he is Jesus Christ, the son of God. And that's why they're going to tempt him. And this is what they tempt him with. They would show him a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, when this evening you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning there will be foul weather today for the sky is red and lowering. O ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? And so they look at the sky, and they can discern these things. They look at natural things, and they can discern things. But when it comes to the matters of faith, they have no discernment. They cannot discern the sign of the times. And that hasn't changed today. This folks still can't discern the sign of the times. We are in the days of Noah. And only the Lord knows how long it'll be before Jesus Christ comes back. His podcast may not air on the ears of believers. It may fall on deaf ears because Jesus Christ has already returned. That's just a reality that we believe. And I believe that as much as I'm sitting in this chair today recording this. And the reality is that Jesus Christ could return today. His return is certainly imminent. I've discerned that through the times. I've discerned that. And we need to understand the times. We understand the days we're in. The practice of religion does not work today. Men have seen every form, every style, every manner of religion. Most people just kind of pick and choose a type of religion, if they pick anything at all. But they've seen very little pure religion practice. They don't see the visit of the fatherless, and the widowed, and their affliction, uh, keeping oneself unspotted from the world. They don't see that being practiced today. And therefore, all they have is a form of religion. That's what they see. That's what they're dealing with. And that's why most folks have no concept uh, that the church is more than just a social event. Because the churches they go to are just a social event, they have no idea it's a pillar and ground of the truth. They have no idea that proclamation of the word of God is the greatest thing that can go on on any Sunday, any service in the in the world. That proclamation of truth goes out, and it's a wonderment, and it's a glory, and it's a it's a marvelous thing. They don't see that why? Because they have the practice of religion, and he says to them, "A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign," and so. Again, they're tempting Jesus Christ with a sign, show us a sign, show it's a sign. He's already showed them the signs. They have the word of God. Why do they need signs? They don't believe the word of God. And there's folks today looking for a sign. I remember the man I used to work with that he talked about when the Lord comes back and that war with the dragon in the heavens, he wanted to be on the side of the Lord because he wanted to have a sword and he wanted to help the Lord kill the enemies of God. And I thought, boy, you'd make a good Muslim too, buddy. And a matter of fact, I probably told him that in those days, because I remember talking with him extensively about that and just saying, you know, if you have that violence in your heart, you need to get that out of your heart. You're not here to kill. You're here to be a vessel of mercy. Why? Because Jesus Christ is a vessel of mercy. And so folks are seeking a sign. They want something more than what God has for them. They want more than the word of God. They want more than revelation of truth. And he said, there should be no sign given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. And it's interesting that he said the sign of the prophet Jonas. And I've heard a lot of prophecy about Jonah, a lot of things said about Jonah. And the only prophecy that they can really grasp and understand is that, okay, he prophesied and God spared Nineveh. But then he also made a statement in there. And, you know, we can't take that as literal. You know, we have to take that as something more than literal because God did not intend that to be literal. And so, therefore, we have to typify that. We have to do it in typology. And as those of you that listen to this podcast know, this has been a battle. This is something that I have fought. This is something I know other good men who've been fighting this battle, some for many, many years. And it's the battle over the sign of the prophet Jonah. What is the sign of the prophet Jonah? And the word of God tells you so clearly that the sign of the prophet Jonah is not just about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, although it certainly is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but it's in Jonah 2 and 1 when Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, now listen, this is not Jonah speaking here. And I know folks say it is. Yes, yes, he is speaking, but he's speaking about the spirit of Christ. He's speaking of the sufferings of Christ, the glory that should follow. He is a prophet of God. He's speaking in the first person by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. It's one of the things we've put in this ministry, one of the things we've put on this podcast, and understanding that when we see that in Scripture, we look at that and see what that is. Why? Because Jonah never went to the belly of hell. And if you liken a fish's belly to hell, then you can liken anything to hell. You say, oh, we live in the hell of the ghetto. Oh, we live in a home is a literal hell. You know, oh, my, you know, we had a barn burned down. And oh, it's just a literal hell? Oh, we live on hell on earth. My family's hell. My children are hell. Jail is hell. Prison is hell. You know, if we make that type of typification out of this, we can turn anything into a literal hell and therefore diminishes the flames of hell. And so he's not allegorically speaking of he is in the whale's belly and whale's belly is hell to him, no. He says, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord and he heard me out of the belly of hell cried I and thou heardest my voice. And he tells you, for thou hadst cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas and the floods compassed me about all thy billows and thy ways passed over me. And I said, I am cast out of thy sight Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. That's the deep. That's the depths. The depths closed around about me. The weeds were wrapped about thy head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. Now, that's not a fish. Okay? People say, well, but the weeds wrapped in his head. That's the seaweed the whales eat. You know what's interesting about that? Whales don't eat seaweed, whales eat krill, whales eat fish. That's their diet. They don't eat seaweed. And yet people say, well, that's the seaweed and the whale's belly. That's the weeds. No, God didn't say that. God did not say it's seaweed. Why? Because he's not talking about the whale's belly now. He's talking about going to the depths. Those seas have overthrown him. Where? What seas is he speaking of? Well, there's one fixed. It's called a great gulf in the word of God. And it's when he drew him out of many waters. And he drew him out of many waters in Psalm 18. And in verse 6, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord, my God? When did Jonah go down into the depths of the earth where bars were around him? When the snares of death prevented him? He did not, but Jesus Christ did. One of the thrusts of our ministry has been trying to deal with this with people. Yet the great great anger that people show over this, the great frustration they show over this, the breaking of fellowship over these verses— And we've had several in the last five years, numerous churches, numerous individuals, including evangelists and pastors, missionaries, they'll break fellowship over this doctrine, fellowship over this verses, but this is what they'll continually say. Psalm 16 and verse 10, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. They say, that is the grave. And a preacher friend of mine recently made the illustration. He said, why don't they go through and replace hell with the grave everywhere else in the King James Bible and see what they come up with. For the wicked shall be turned into the grave. And all the nations that forget God, the rich man being in the grave, you know, and, and again, they just, they cannot see that they correct the Bible. They correct what the King James Bible says rather than believe what it says. Cause they don't have a God big enough to go down into the belly of hell in Jonah chapter 2, that the bars prevented him, the snares of death prevented him. They don't have a God big enough to come out of the depths of hell, a God big enough to cross that great gulf fixed. Therefore, they preach against the doctrine. They preach against it. they broken fellowship over this. But I want to be real clear on this podcast where we stand. When Jonah cried out of the belly of hell, he's prophesying as the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of Christ. Again, he's in the bottoms of the mountains. What is that? What's the bottoms of the mountains? Jesus Christ himself in Ephesians chapter four. Where did he go? He went to the lowest parts of the earth. What are the lowest parts of the earth? Well, the pit is in the heart of the earth. Hell is in the side of the pit. Abraham's bosom was in the heart of the earth. We know that. He went to the lowest parts of the earth. He was a prisoner. He was in bars. He could not get out. The snares of death prevented him. But then he said, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came in, in unto thee. Into thine holy temple, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. And that's the verse for those that don't believe this passage. That's the verse for those who don't believe the doctrine of the soul of Jesus Christ. And every man that has ever asked me, I've said, Well, can you explain to me then the offering of the soul of Jesus Christ? And they say, Well, that's on the cross. And it's that's the basic, that's on the cross. Everything done on the cross. And without fail, they say this. They'll say, well, when he said it is finished, everything was done for the atonement to be, be complete. And I go, well, everything was done except for the blood was not on the mercy seat. His soul was not offered for sin in hell. He did not come out of hell into Abraham's bosom where it became paradise where he met with the thief on the cross. The blood was not in the mercy seat. Therefore, he could not be delivered from hell till the blood was put on the mercy seat, which tells you who put the blood in the mercy seat, the person of the Holy Ghost, took that blood of the everlasting covenant, put it upon the mercy seat. Christ was delivered. He got the keys of death and of hell, burned up our sins in hell, And then he had to resurrect. So when you say it is finished, what in the world do they mean? Everything was done that he had to do to pay the atonement. No, if he doesn't resurrect, there's no atonement. If he doesn't live forevermore, there's no atonement. And if he doesn't sit on the right hand of the Father, making intercession for those that believe on his name, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. There is no atonement. The atonement is not completed until Jesus Christ is resurrected and is on the right hand of God. Then the atonement is complete. But yet they argue, they spin in circles, but they cannot answer the scripture with scripture because they do not believe what the word of God says. And I say this strongly because I encourage some of you to listen to this, to study it, look at it, understand it, believe it. Whose soul fainted within him? Jesus Christ. For why if they cast down, O oh, my soul? Four different times in the Psalms, why are they cast down, O my soul? What do they observe? Lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed salvation is of the Lord." And if you think that's just Jonah talking about Jonah, I strongly recommend you look at Psalm 16, Psalm 18, Psalm 36, Psalm 34, and look at those. And then when you're done, go to Psalm 116 and see if you still think that's Jonah speaking by himself. Why is he called a prophet of God? Because he was speaking by the Spirit of Christ, according to 1 Peter 1.11, and he was prophesied by the Spirit of Christ, of the sufferings of Christ, and then the deliverance of Christ, which is the glory that should follow. Therefore, they're not seeking the signs that they're looking, that they need to see. The only sign given them is the sign of the prophet Jonas. What is that sign? Jesus Christ is going to suffer. Jesus Christ is going to pay our penalty. Jesus Christ, his soul is going to be offered for sins, resurrected, and that you and I might know him through that offering. That's the sign of the prophet Joseph. They're looking for every sign but that sign. They're looking for signs. They're looking for wonders. They're looking for vanities. And then he said, when his disciples will come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Lord willing, tomorrow, we'll begin there in verse 6 and deal with the leaven of the scribes and of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of those that have risen up against Jesus Christ. Have a great day. There is a lost soul who is tired of his sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. The angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.